Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. As we get started today, I want to take a minute and thank my sponsor, Baron Fig. Baron Fig makes the most incredible guided journals, you guys, and they're kind enough to support my meditation teacher training each year by offering every participant a Bloom meditation journal to use throughout training. I use and love this very same journal to track my own daily meditation practice, and I really can't recommend it enough. It is beautiful, it's well-organized, it's concise, and it's easy to use. If you are wanting to kickstart or refresh your journaling habits, be sure to visit baronfig.com and check out all their journal options. That's B-A-R-O-N-F-I-G.com for all of your journaling needs. All right, my friends. Happy Monday, happy full moon Monday. Happy to get to meditate with you all as always. So today is, as you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is also a relatively minor Jewish holiday that's sort of colloquially known as the birthday of the trees, which I think is like the greatest holiday of all time because it's essentially a day to be grateful for trees. And I love that they overlapped this year. That doesn't always happen, of course. And and this year they happen to overlap. And there's something, at least in my mind, about this particular moment and these two holidays coming together that speak very specifically to not just a professed love or support or care, but also a direct action stemming from that love, right? A compassionate action. And as I was thinking about this, thinking about this this morning, I felt like it tied in very beautifully to our talk tonight, although it's not a direct tie-in. So I'm throwing that out there for you to listen to and see if you feel a tie-in as well as we talk about the full moon and meditation. So as you know, we started this series on the new moon, which is the dark moon. You can't see it. There's no light. And we use the new moon as a metaphor for the beginning stages of our meditation practice, a time when we focus solely on coming into the present moment, which is step one, get here. For one moment in time, suspend the worries for the future, stop ruminating on the past, and sit here to see what's actually happening. And then we get here. And the moon adds a little bit of light every night. And so last week, every single night, 
the moon was adding a little bit of light. This is called the waxing phase. And the waxing phase in our doing lives is the phase that typically would be associated with like ideal times for brainstorming, for ideation, for dreaming up your new creative project. And in any brainstorm, we know that the first thing we take off the agenda is judgment, right? This is the time when we say, let's put it all out in front of us and see what's here before we make any decisions. And the same holds true in our practice, that this is the moment once we land in the present, rather than start going, well, this doesn't belong and this can't be here and it's not supposed to look like this. We say, this is the present moment and we're gonna let everything that shows up be here. The barking dog, the ruminating thought, the power that keeps flickering, whatever, right? The worries about the wind outside, all the things. We're going to let it all be here in this present moment because it is here. And we're not at this moment going to start saying, you can't be here. And then ultimately the moon adds enough light that it is the full moon. The full face of the moon that we can see is illuminated. It's its brightest. It's the most outward energy. So Many indigenous cultures have named the moons. So there's 13 full moons in most years, and every moon has a name. January's moon is the wolf moon. And it was called this because it's deep winter. It's a hungry time for humans and wolves alike, and wolves were often heard howling at the moon this time of year. So this is the wolf moon. And, you know, it's interesting because I think on many, many levels, January has really continued to evolve to be a hungry month. And we'll start by just acknowledging that there are many, many, many people in this moment in time in this country and across the world that are actually hungry. And so that hunger exists. And for those of us that perhaps are fortunate enough to not be literally hungry in this moment, we might also find ourselves being metaphorically very hungry in this moment. January in particular is a month when we say, well, what am I going to do this year? What am I going to accomplish? How am I going to better myself to be the biggest, best, shiniest me? And all of this grasping and planning and goal-setting on one level is wonderful, and I think equally speaks to a belief in not enough, right? Because if we were enough, would we really be setting goals around like eliminating gluten in our lives? Probably not, right? We'd just be like, yeah, great, this is who I am. And so we're hungry perhaps on an enoughness level. Now, interestingly, the full moon in general is considered the time when you're the most magnetic. You're the most articulate. Your light is the brightest. You're shining out. You're ready to collaborate. You're receptive. And so we might think about how do I take this receptive energy towards the hungriest part of myself, towards that hungry wolf? Well, how would I approach that hungry wolf? And I think the answer is with compassion, 
with love. Because we're not going to satiate not enoughness with praise or accomplishments or plans. That just keeps the wolf starving. And what does fill that not enough belly is a sense of kindness towards self. In essence, a loving friendship towards self. Even in, even in the face of desired transformation. So it's not to say that you can't have goals for yourself or hopes for yourself or plans, right? Maybe giving up gluten actually dietarily would be a benefit to your digestive system. And you could make that choice and still be a loving, kind friend to yourself. You could speak to yourself in a kind way as you navigate that change in your life, right? And the same holds true in our practice. Because we sit down and we say, okay, I'm going to be right here. And whatever shows up, I'm going to say, okay, you can be right here with me. I'll, I'll hold space for all of this. And we say it in a class where we're all seated here, not seated here, not really doing that action. And so it sounds very easy. We've got our candles going behind us. I got a little furry rug beneath me. This is lovely. And it sounds lovely to sit here and let it all be present. But then I'm going to do that. And I have to actually feel whatever it is that shows up. And sometimes it's stuff that makes me feel scared or makes me feel sad or makes me feel ashamed of myself. And when all that stuff shows up, that's the moment when I have to offer myself just a little bit of warmth. And in my most fundamental classes, I will tell you the way that I teach this is at the end of your practice, say good job to yourself. And I know that maybe that sounds elementary or like even a silly kind of throwaway thing, but it's actually not. Because I invite you just to reflect, when's the last time you said good job to yourself? I know the last time I said bad job to myself, I can think of several off the top of my head within the last 24 hours, no joke, right? But I really have to stop and think, when did I say good job to myself? When was I like, wow, I was awesome at that. And really probably very few of us are feeling that way in our meditation practice because we're doing it, but we're thinking. We're not feeling like waves of bliss and Zen radiating off of us all the time. I hope some of the time. And even in those moments when you're like, man, I did nothing but think. When we just take that split second at the end of the practice to go, good job. We're in essence creating a new neural pathway in our brain so that we might then, I'll give you an example from my own life, every night I make dinner, which I love to do, I love cooking, and every night I get screamed at by my two children about how disgusting dinner is without, without exaggeration. This is the actual real life unfolding of every single night at 5 p.m. in my house. And every single night, I get mad. I don't always 
express it. But inside, I'm like, why will you not like this totally normal, delicious meal that I have worked so hard to prepare, said every parent ever. And sometimes I lose it. And I'm like, you have to eat this. I'm so mad. I worked so hard on this. I'm tired. Clean your plate. I don't want to hear it. And some nights I go, right, they're seven and they're three. And who likes meatloaf at seven and three? Nobody. I didn't either. And so, okay. I still could say to myself, good job. That was good meatloaf. <laughs> Even though the kids hated it, right? That's my real life example. Rainy says chicken nuggets and tortilla chips are the only acceptable meal for my child. Right on. My kids had chicken nuggets tonight too. And that's okay too, right? There's another Perfect. Tamika says literally making meatloaf tonight. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, and you can just see, you can see the unfolding of a hundred ways that could go because we could also go, okay, my kids had chicken nuggets tonight and I could be like, oh my God, what? they weren't even organic. They should have been organic. I'm the worst mother. Why were they not organic chicken nuggets? Why couldn't they eat the green beans with the nuggets? And then I'm shaming myself about the nuggets, right? But I could say like, wow, good job. They got some protein in their bellies. This is the trade-off we're making. We're teaching our brain in the moment when it wants to spiral with, you're so bad at this. Why didn't you? You should have. All of the times that storyline plays in your head. What we want to happen is our brain to go, remember in meditation when you said good job? Do that here too. Good job. You fed your kids. Period. Good job. And there could be room for growth. I could maybe next time buy the organic chicken nuggets. I don't know. Right? There's always room for growth. But even in the face of that, we pull in this thread of compassion. And so we're going to practice tonight. And we're going to hold that these three threads, presence, non-judgment, and compassion, are the three threads we braid together in a meditation practice. Sometimes they all show up. Sometimes we might focus on only one. But ultimately, these three pieces are the pieces that we continue to focus on every time we sit down. Because they're the three pieces that we're teaching our brain to hold as when I engage this way, I have more capacity to be okay. I have more capacity to be okay when I am present without judgment and with compassion. And we'll add next week, there's one more piece in this series actually because the moon wanes. And so we'll add one more piece next week for the waning moon. But for now, these three strands will braid together in our meditation practice, yeah? All right, so let's try this practice together tonight. So go ahead and wiggle around. We've been sitting for a minute. Find yourself in a comfortable seat. You'll let your hands rest onto your lap. You'll let your eyes drift closed if that feels comfortable. And if that doesn't feel quite right for any reason, you just take a soft gaze down towards the ground. 
And together as a group, as we all land in our seat, let's take a nice deep breath in together. Exhale a sigh out of the mouth. And we'll just do that once more, inhaling deeply. Exhale, let all of it go. And then just allowing your breath to flow. And maybe take a moment just to simply savor that this is what we're doing right now. We're sitting still and comfortable. Knowing that we're in a community and connection with so many meditators right now. And we welcome ourselves into the practice and into that community by silently saying to ourselves, now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you say those words to yourself, I want you to notice if you can sit down more. If there are pieces of you that you're holding up that maybe in this moment you could let go of. So that your hips and your thighs relax. And your spine feels tall and fluid. Perhaps the shoulders roll back and down. And the top of the head lifts. And we savor the way the breath moves in and out. And as we breathe, maybe we notice that we could let go just a touch through the face. We could let go along the forehead, and the skin around the eyes, the lips and the jaw. even the tongue. And we allow our chest to rise and fall as we breathe. and our bellies to expand and contract. And maybe you notice 
that as we scan through the body in this way, setting our meditative seat with purpose, it also calls us to presence. Our body is not in the future. Our body is not in the past. But rather it is seated in this one moment. And so you feel yourself taking up space in the present moment. And in this moment, you tune your awareness to the flow of the breath. So that when you breathe in, you're feeling the belly expand. And when you breathe out, you're feeling that very subtle contraction. You let all of your awareness feel the breath. Feel the expansion. And feel the contraction. And in a moment, we'll sit together in silence for 10 minutes. And this is the moment we call on non-judgment. Whatever shows up in those 10 minutes. We simply say, you are welcome to be here. When we return our attention to feel the next breath. And when we notice a distraction, a thought or a feeling, we say, you are welcome to be here. And we feel the next breath. Let's try that here now.
And you're feeling your breath flow here. Allowing everything that's here to simply be here. And amidst your present moment experience, I invite you here just to put a little smile on your lips. Not necessarily a smile of happiness, but certainly a smile of kindness. And if you want, maybe you even add a hand atop your heart. And you'll take a deep breath in through your nose. Let go of a soft sigh. And just silently to yourself say, good job. Taking all the time you need to wiggle through your fingers and your toes, to shift in your body, and when you're ready, to release your practice. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.